This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Bunny Michael. When you approach your life from the consciousness of your higher self, then knowing how worthy you are, every aspect of your life begins to change. Your relationships, your career, your self-care, your body image, everything. Because this is the process of unlearning the conditioning of our culture that raised us to believe we have to prove ourselves to belong. True success starts with knowing how much you deserve. Following your higher self is an awakening process and it's no easy feat. But as you will hear from the callers on this podcast, Our paths might look different, but our journey is the same. Welcome to EXO Higher Self. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 96. I'm so happy to be here with you. I hope that you have been having an amazing week. Hope you've been taking care of yourself. And by taking care of yourself, I don't mean being super productive or like even cleaning your bathroom necessarily. I mean taking care of your heart, being kind, compassionate, accepting, loving. You know, being in this world is already overwhelming, overstimulating experience. We don't need to add to the drama by being hard on ourselves, right? You know, I have that meme that I share a lot of times on my Instagram, and it's like, me... Life is hard, higher self, so stop being hard on yourself. And that's what I'm here as the host of this podcast to give you that weekly reminder that this stuff isn't easy. And in order to keep our growth sustainable, we have to channel our higher selves. We have to find that voice for self-compassion, that voice for love, that part of us that knows that no matter what, we've always been enough. And this stuff is actually super radical. It's a whole new way of looking at ourselves and at the world. We have been brought up to believe that we need this outside validation. So changing that lens within the same realm that keeps perpetuating it takes a lot of patience and grace. Sometimes I get kind of sad because I see like on the internet, people in our own communities, our own marginalized groups, sometimes we tend to criticize each other a lot or to police each other a lot or to hop on the bandwagon of getting really excited when somebody said the wrong thing and then you take part in the drama and it's like this takedown and this like group punishment and 
I think it's really important for people to be accountable to their mistakes. Yes. But what I'm also interested in is doing things differently than what we have been taught. You know, we grew up with this idea of punishment being the solution to our problems. If we got punished, then we would do it right the next time. But I'm interested in something beyond punishment. I'm interested in facilitating a space where people can grow, where people can change, where people feel like they have that support. Because when we shame, when we put people down, when we tell somebody that they aren't worthy, how are they going to find the capacity to behave from the point of view of your higher self, their higher self? The problem with the hierarchical conditioning of this world is that we see everything through hierarchy. We see everything as you're good enough, you're not good enough, I'm good enough, I'm not good enough. And we bring those hierarchies into all kinds of spaces. And so it's not just about learning what is right in the sense of our historical context or, you know, how to be respectful, how to cause less harm. It's also about transforming the spaces with which we build something new, where we create a shift in how we facilitate healing, how we facilitate bringing out the best in each other, seeing our higher selves in each other. When I can see the higher self in another person, it helps me remember that they are not the sum total of their behavior. And it also gives them permission to be something else too. Now, it doesn't always work. (laughs) It doesn't always work the way we want it to. But we have to believe in our capacity to change. We have to believe in each other in order to make this thing work. You know, it's so apparent to us that we change, we grow, we become more aware all the time. And yet we tend to forget that other people are capable of that too. So we can't forget that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm being kind of a dork today, but um, I'm in a good mood. Oh, before we get to the questions, I just want to make an announcement. And I think I talked about this last week. I'm not totally sure, but we are partnering with a new podcast network called Duvid Media. And that's starting in September. And we are so excited to be partnering with this network. They are going to be helping us with production, helping us with so many things. And in light of that, there are going to be some changes, including we will be starting to have ads in the episodes starting in September. I know ads are not fun in a lot of ways. Nobody loves listening to ads. However, ads are also a way for us to keep this podcast going and for us to continue to grow. And I hope that you will be supportive of that change. And guess what? You can listen to ad-free versions especially if that's what you're used to, when you become a Patreon subscriber, you get access to all the episodes ad-free and they will go directly into your podcast app, including the bonus episodes every other week. And if you subscribe as an Apple subscriber, you will also get ad-free episodes and access to all the bonus episodes. So if ads really bum you out, you have options. And if you're already a Patreon subscriber or an Apple subscriber, nothing's going to change for you. You're still going to get the ad-free versions in your podcast app. So that's cool. Alrighty. I hope that you guys can be happy for us. We're like 
making moves with this podcast. We're building it. We're getting a team. This is like such good news. And Duveed Media, they're the folks from um, Just Break Up Podcast, and they are absolutely amazing people. You'll love them. We're actually going to have them on the show. I have just been a guest on their show. Um, I'm going to talk about them more uh, next week. But in the meantime, I would encourage you to listen to Just Break Up Podcast. It's also an advice podcast hosted by super sweeties. It's all relationship stuff. I would definitely encourage you to check it out. All right, let's get to the questions. The following question is from an email. Hello, I have a question about being single and insecure. I've been single for the majority of my life as I'm a very shy, introverted person. INFJ to give you a better idea. And I hate using dating apps. I only like to form lasting bonds and meaningful relationships. And I've only been in one serious relationship in my life. The relationship eventually became toxic. After being let down by him many times, I finally broke things off, and since then, I've been single, which is five years. I had dragged on the relationship because I knew I would not find someone else easily, which ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. At this point, I have given up on finding a meaningful and happy relationship and have decided to try just finding someone who is attracted to me so I can at least continue having sex. Currently, I'm in a sex-based relationship with someone, but the problem is if things don't work out, I'm going to have a very hard time letting go of them because it's so hard for me to find someone to be intimate with. I feel like if I give them up, I will be back to forever being lonely. Although I'm not sure if casual sex feels good to me, the idea of being in a serious relationship also feels like an invitation to heartbreak. Therefore, I feel like I have to train myself to get used to having casual sex because that's my only option of having sex ever again. I don't believe there's anyone out there who will get me or love me as I am. On the other hand, being single automatically makes me feel like I'm undesirable and unwanted. As you can see, I'm in a bit of a pickle here. How can I get unstuck from this spiral of self-pity and insecurity? Thank you so much in advance. Hi, sweetheart. Thank you for writing in and being so open and vulnerable and honest about your situation. Dating is really hard, but I also want to point out that so is being in a relationship. And the reason why it's all hard, whether you're single or partnered, is because underneath those insecurities is our healing. We're on a journey of healing to our higher selves, meaning everything that's happening to us is curriculum in order to more fully accept ourselves just how we are. When we were born, we knew we were enough. We didn't question whether or not we needed to be cared for. It's our socialization that has told us we need outside validation. We need a partner. We need this certain job. We need this money. We need this look, these looks. And so as part of that training, we have been seeking that stuff, all of that outside validation. But then you get to a point where you realize even when you have those supposed markers of being good enough, i.e. having a partner or getting the job, you realize that it's still not enough. And the reason is because it was never really about that. All that's really going on is understanding our own self-worth. 
And so shifting our perspective to this perspective of our higher self, seeing ourselves and the world through the lens of wholeness, isn't just about working on our own insecurities. It's also about the assumptions that we make about other people. Because we are walking around constantly judging ourselves, other people, based on looks, what they do for a living, where they're from, their hairstyle. I mean, all kinds of different stuff like that. And so when we enter the dating world, we have all these little markers for judgment. And we say, oh, well, that person isn't going to like me. Or that person isn't good enough for me. Or that person looks like an asshole. Or that guy's probably a jerk. And so we think when we don't find a connection that it is a product of possibly us not being good enough or our own insecurities. But a lot of the time, it's a product of how much we judge and assume things about other people and close ourselves off unconsciously. You said something in your email about a self-fulfilling prophecy, and that's because you can understand that your beliefs about how things are going to turn out have a great effect on what actually happens. Say, for example, you go to a party and you assume that somebody doesn't like you for whatever reason. Maybe it was like the look on their face when they first saw you, or maybe it was like the tone when they introduced themselves or something like that. And so you make the assumption that they don't like you. And so then you close off, right? You wall up out of self-protection. You know, you don't want to be judged. And then that person doesn't feel like you like them or doesn't feel like there's an opening to talk. And so you kind of just avoid each other all night, right? And you kind of just never make a connection based on at some point, somebody made an assumption. And so you never meet, you never possibly build, you never get to know somebody. And we do this stuff all of the time. I mean, everybody, I do it too. We all operate in this way. And shifting that perspective is really about checking in with yourself and saying, you know what, I'm gonna walk into this with an open heart, open to possibility. Maybe not walking in with assumptions about what it's gonna be like or what should happen. Because the truth of the matter is we don't know what's going on in people's lives. We don't know if they might just be socially anxious. We don't know if we actually have something in common with this person in this really profound way that they're actually could be our future best friend. Part of the difficulty of the dating apps is because it's created a lot of dehumanization in the process because you're swiping and you're making these really quick judgments. Oh, good enough, not good enough, good enough, not good enough, good enough, not good enough. And it feels really dehumanizing because it is because you're not actually meeting that person. You're not actually seeing them for who they are, but we don't have to look at it like that. We don't have to see it from that lens. We don't have to treat each other that way. We can be more open-minded and more open-hearted. Does that mean we're not going to have like bad experiences or a bad date or meet somebody that we don't like? Of course not. But when we make assumptions that nothing is ever going to go our way or we're never going to meet that person or I'm not going to find that person or they're not going to ever treat me right, how could you be open to the possibility of something different. How we see this world 
and our reality is through the lens of our beliefs. And bringing those beliefs to our conscious awareness is how we shift that reality. So I know the dating apps suck. I would also say that probably the majority of people who are on the dating apps also think they suck. (laughs) But they're on them because they're open to maybe it will work out. Maybe I will meet somebody. I'll just give it a try. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but the circumstances with the dating world are not ideal. But that doesn't mean you can't find a way to navigate it where you remember that you are enough just how you are and that other people are too. And how you end up coming together is really about compatibility. But you don't know if you're compatible unless you are open enough to see. You don't know what people's limitations are. You don't know what their capabilities are until you know. As far as this relationship that you're in right now, the sex relationship, I don't think there's anything wrong with casual sex. It's totally up to you. I'm definitely sex positive if that's what's working for you. But I also know that if you're holding on to something out of fear of never being able to get it back, that's another self-fulfilling prophecy. This assumption that you won't ever have sex again. Well, you're definitely not going to have sex with another person again if you keep just having sex with this person, right? So it's like your beliefs inform your choices, inform your reality. So how do we shift the beliefs? How do we shift the beliefs from this will never happen to my heart is open and I trust the universe? I trust that right now I don't have a partner because that's the curriculum in front of me and I really need to be kind to myself and love myself just how I am, and with that energy, navigate the dating world and bring that into my new relationships. And from that perspective, I can really tell and feel when there is an authentic connection because I'm sitting in my authenticity, not my fear. So I know that this stuff isn't easy. And it's really easy for me to sit here on this microphone and be like, just understand that you're enough just how you are and then go date. I know that that's not easy, but what is the alternative to be constantly imprisoned by this false belief that we'll never be good enough, that we need something that capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, fat phobia, all of these institutions that have been designed to oppress us. The other option is to be controlled by that and to limit our own joy. This work is not easy. That's why these systems perpetuate because it's really difficult to go against them, to believe in possibility, to accept that we deserve love. But you're listening to this podcast for a reason, because in your heart, you know that you do. That's why you wrote to me, because you knew I would tell you that. So when it comes to what to do next, ask yourself, okay, what does my higher self want me to do? What does the perspective of myself being enough right now, where is that guiding me? Is this casual sex relationship reflective of my wholeness? Or is it reflective of a fear of me not being enough? So we shift our lives to make choices based on a different belief system. I know that you within yourself can feel this truth. 
It's about trusting that voice. You don't need me to tell you what you already know. But I'm glad that you asked. (laughs) I'm sending you so much love. You got this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Bunny. I was wondering if you have advice on healing and moving on from a relationship that you really thought was like the one, but turned out it wasn't, especially when the other person has already moved on to another relationship not very long after hours ended. Part of what I'm grieving the most is, you know, everything that my partner and I dreamed of and who we thought we were for each other. And I'm also grieving the fact that I could feel so certain about someone for a while and then eventually realize that it wasn't right. So I'm afraid to trust that feeling if I ever do have it again because I don't want to go through the pain of losing it again. And then the other part of this is that I really want to be friends eventually with this person because they meant a lot to me and we still enjoy our time together But part of the breakup, it was due to incompatibilities, but another part was because they did some things that really hurt me. And I don't know how to tell if my desire to be friends is healthy for me or if it's really just a way for me to try to hang on to some piece of what we shared, but perhaps something that I should actually let go. So... Love to hear what you think. I appreciate you and everything you do so, so much. Thank you. Hi, babe. I'm sorry this breakup has been so hard and grieving the loss, grieving the expectation you had, the plans, the companionship, all of that. And also to see that now they have a new partner. None of this is easy. It's all coming down to a feeling of loss. And when we have loss, it's an opportunity to see ourselves who we really are without those things, right? And I know that you know that, and I know that you're working towards that, and your grief is part of this process. And I have full confidence that you are accessing your higher self to help yourself move through this. I do want to focus a little bit on the fear because I know what you feel like. It's like when you go through something like this, like how can I trust another relationship? Like I remember I got out of a long-term relationship years long. um, I was broken up with and similar to you, I felt like they were going to be the person that I married and had all these expectations and then it just fell apart. And I remember being like, maybe love's not real. <laughs> like when I was like really sad, I was like, I don't know. I'm just not into love, I guess. Love, I'm I'm over it. I'm done. And it's really easy to get into that mind frame. And it's really about, like you said, it's really about the fear of having to go through that pain again and, and really just not wanting to do that. But then I remember how like when I was in the eighth grade, I thought I was going to marry that person. And I'm not saying that to belittle, like I thought I was going to marry my like eighth grade boyfriend, right? I'm not saying to belittle, you know, your belief now as if you're 
still like an eighth grader naively believing you're going to marry what that person. What I'm saying is that how we understand what we need in relationships is a process that we continually grow through experience, like trial and error. Every time we go through these relationships, we learn a little bit more about what we need, about what actually works, about what type of person or what is important in terms of our compatibility, our values, our commitment. We get really good at being able to kind of sculpt what works for us. And there's no way for us to really understand that as deeply as we do until we get into these situations that don't work, right? And this isn't just about staying together or not staying together. This is just the experience of relationship because you can have all of that realization, work through all of that stuff within the relationship too. My point is, is that we have to give ourselves more credit. We are growing from all of these experiences. We adapt We get closer to our own inner wisdom. We understand how to more fully love ourselves. We understand what we really need from other people. And we have to trust that we're going to be okay, that we're going to be able to make choices reflective of our wholeness. Now, life is a roller coaster. There's no way that we can prevent us from experiencing any sense of loss again in our life because that's also part of being human. But what we can do is trust, trust in our higher self that love is guiding us to exactly the path that we need. And so as you move through this grief, remember that you are being held by something greater, by a deeper truth. And that part of you has always been there. And the more compassionate you are, the more accepting you are, The more loving you are to yourself, the more you're telling the universe and those forces, okay, I surrender, I trust, I have faith, I will follow your guidance, and I will continue showing up with love. And I trust that what comes out of that will be beautiful. And so as I say that to you, I really want to ask you, does that part of you, does your higher self feel that you need to have a friendship with this person? I'm not saying to not care about them or to not love them, but is love guiding you to continue to talk to them, to hang out? Or is love guiding you to realizing that might not be what you need right now? And I can't answer that question for you, but not being friends with your ex does not mean that you don't care about them or, and it doesn't mean that you don't want to be friends with them. But the thing is, is that you can't really be friends until you're just friends. You know, unfortunately, you have to get honest with yourself and ask yourself, is this person just my friend? Truly, your grief of this relationship is a testament to your capacity to love. And just because that love will now be transformed, will now be put into a different vessel into other areas of your life and spread in other ways its attention turned to a new direction does not mean it was diminished in any way. It's just going to express itself differently. So what is your love wanting to express now? Where can you channel it out? 
How can you let it out? It's kind of like imagine a vine growing like on a wall or up the tree or, or whatever, like a vine growing. Imagine that's like the love wanting to be expressed within you. And for a while you had like a little vine going to your relationship with that person. And now that door is being closed. And so it's moving somewhere else and flowering up in another area. And that could be your art, your friendships, your family, your alone time, your spiritual practice. It could be all of those things, but it's not diminished. It's not gone just because it's changed direction. And with time, this is going to get easier. And so on the hard days when you're like, you know what? I can't even think about higher self right now. I'm just so sad. What I want you to do is just remind yourself, this too shall pass. (laughs) This feeling sucks. I'm hurting, but I know it's temporary. Hang in there. Hey, Bunny. Um, I recently rediscovered your podcast, and um, it's just reminded me how much I should be listening to you (laughs) very often. But um, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know my situation and kind of get some advice from you. Um, So about a month ago, my best friend and roommate, uh, Paloma, took her dog Stella on a walk and they were struck by a drunk driver and Stella didn't make it. Stella died um, and Paloma was in a coma for nine days And she's awake now and she's making remarkable progress and she knows about Stella and she's been really positive, but like, I have not been handling any of this well. Um, I already knew I had a problem with alcohol before this and because I have a lot, a lot, a lot of unresolved trauma, it seems like in every, every aspect of my life, but this is the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life, just coming home to an empty apartment every night, no Stella, no Paloma. And like facing the fact that she might have to move back to Indiana, which is where all her family is. Um, and I've been handling everything myself, um, being on the front lines. Um, it's, it's been so fucking hard. And I thought that life was hard before this, but I have not been handling it well. Um, I go to this one bar every single night um, and it's kind of like I'm in a, well, it is like I'm in a very toxic relationship with this atmosphere, this environment, because, you know, um, obviously it fuels my alcoholism and it fuels me doing other substances and staying up till eight in the morning and waking up an hour before work um, at like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. And But uh, the reason I keep going is because everyone that I love and loves me is there. And, uh, you know, we all have this unspoken, like, reasoning for going there every single night is because we all have some really deep, dark shit that we don't want to face, really, or that's really hard to face. And, you know, when you're around people that you love, it, it takes it all away. But um, with me going through this really hard situation and uh, being a very emotional drunk, um, I find myself in really dramatic situations out of my own doing and being very reactive and fucking up friendships like and doing and saying things I wouldn't normally do. And 
it's been really hard to accept the fact that like my relationship with alcohol was already bad, but it's definitely even worse. Um, and it's, it's changed for the worst. And, uh, everything's been really hard. It's been really hard for me to take care of myself. It's, it's been really hard to acknowledge how strong I am because everyone is saying to me how strong I am and how, how lucky she is to have a friend like me, but I don't feel strong. I feel like I'm failing. Um, I'm falling into addiction hard, really hard when it comes to alcohol and the amount of guilt and shame I feel uh, because, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and he put me through some very dramatizing things. But it's been really hard to just, you know, accept and and be there for myself the way that I am so quick to be there for other people. It feels like people know a different me that I am not to myself, you know? It's, it's, it's so, it feels like the biggest divide um, from the way other people see me and how much they love me and why they love me versus how I see myself and how, why, how hard it is for me to uh, love myself and be there for myself the way that I'm so quick to uh, be there for other people. Okay, I think I covered all the bases. Um, sorry, this is a long uh, question. Uh, I just feel like you could offer some really good advice and I just wanted to see if you could. Um, thank you for everything that you do and extending yourself this much to so many people. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, buddy. Hi, love. First of all, I want to say I'm so sorry that happened to your roommate and their dog. That is so hard and scary and sad and traumatic. It makes sense that you are not handling it easily. I wouldn't say you're not handling it well. You're going through the trauma. You are trying to cope with the emotions. And because you had already been using alcohol as a emotional coping mechanism, that has been your go-to in this very difficult situation where you need even more soothing and a sense of comfort. The issue with alcohol is that it lowers your consciousness. And we've talked about this on podcasts before, that connecting with your higher self really is about raising your consciousness to a more aware perspective. I like to think about it as if you're looking from a bird's eye view onto your own life and able to kind of see your choices and why you're making the choices. It's kind of like this perspective of love where you're looking on yourself and you're saying, hey, you're good enough. Let's get you to a situation that's going to reflect that, right? That's the perspective of our higher self. But when we drink alcohol, which I'm not passing any judgment. Look, I think everybody needs a break sometimes. If alcohol is the way that you do it, you need to like shift it. I'm all for it, right? If that works for you. But we have to also acknowledge that when we are drunk or using alcohol to change our consciousness, it's not raising our consciousness to more awareness. It's lowering our consciousness to less awareness. 
which works really well when you're not trying to think about really difficult things, when you don't want to process really hard emotions or really traumatic experiences. That's why it works so well for that because you actually can't process them. You actually can't get clarity on them because your mind is taken over by the energy or the spirit of alcohol, I like to say. And I kind of like think about it like a spirit, you know, it's sort of taking over your consciousness. And I also just want to say we shift our consciousness all the time. Right now I'm drinking like a huge coffee. That is another way of changing my consciousness. I'm aware of that. Like it's not easy to like always be super present with like what is. That's not easy to do. And because of those habits, this community that you have at the bar, these people, and I'm sure that they do care about you, but it's important to acknowledge that their capacity to give you the type of support that you need right now is very limited. And that's because when you are together, the behavior that you do together is lowering all of your consciousness, right? So they actually can't give you the type of insight, love, support that you really need. Because what you need right now is spiritual support, emotional support, healing. That's what you need. They can give you a sense of family. They can help you feel less alone. But you need more than that. And it seems to me that you understand your addiction issues are not sustainable. And I know what that feels like. There's a lot of things that people say about AA that isn't great. You know, AA as a system isn't perfect. But my experience in AA, when I would go to meetings, my favorite part about going there was the community, was being around other people who are going through similar things. Because it is so important to have a sense of not being alone in our struggle. The reason why AA can work for some people is because you go every day. It's because you have things that y'all do together, like, you know, go get some pizza after the meeting and you build community like that. And I just want to put that out there, that going to a meeting, as unfun as it sounds, if you want to take a step towards curbing your dependency on alcohol and other drugs, this could be a really beneficial step by showing up to a meeting and seeing what it's like. They are in every city. You just have to look, Google it and you'll find one, I'm sure, not too far away from you. On a larger level about people pleasing and doing things for other people, one of the greatest gifts that you can give people that you love is to take care of yourself. The people that care about you want you to be well. They want that so much more than you showing up for something, you know, again, that you, that you always show up for. They love you and they want you to be okay. A lot of times we people please in order to control the relationship. Because if we're constantly in the realm of, oh, I'm going to show up for you, you're not going to question what I'm doing right? Because I, I make it seem like I have everything under control because I always know what my role is and I'm always going to be there and you can depend on me for that. And so it's a way of also like bringing the attention to them rather than on you. Because if it was on you, they might be saying, hey, are you okay? 
what do you need? What can I do? And that's going to force you to have to face yourself. So people-pleasing is avoidant of our own needs. And it doesn't actually make you a better friend or a better family member. It just uses other people as an excuse not to take care of yourself. As harsh as that sounds, that's part of the motivation to continue in those patterns. You deserve healing and finding other sources of comfort and soothing. And that is possible through working with a therapist, through going to AA, through finding other means of replacing alcohol as a source of comfort. And it is really, really challenging. But this is how things change. We take one step forward. You write into this podcast to hear me tell you, you have to make a change. And this isn't about you doing anything wrong, babe. You're not doing anything wrong. You're trying to survive. But you deserve better tools for that survival. Tools that are actually going to help sustain your happiness and joy, not just give you a quick fix that the next day you pay for. So strategies to replace alcohol as a coping mechanism isn't something that you're just going to figure out on your own. You need outside support for that. You need a therapist to help with that. You need support groups to help with that. It's really hard to do it alone. But I can tell that there are a lot of people who care about you that aren't just the bar people. I know you have people in your life who if you went to them and said, I need help with this, can you help me figure this out? They would be there for you. I know that. What happened to your roommate is really, really sad. And it's also very symbolic of our capacity to start anew, to reassess our lives, to ask ourselves, what's really important? And that's, I think, what this experience is showing you. Life's too short and you deserve to live it without shame, to heal those wounds, to kiss your wounds and say, I see you. I know you're part of me, but you're not the whole me. You know, when I first started going to therapy years ago in my adulthood, at the time I was drinking all of the time. And I would actually go to therapy in the beginning and leave my therapist's office and go to a bar down the street on the corner and like do two shots of whiskey because I was so triggered <laughs> by the therapy session. And it was just like so much. And that was the only tool that I had to like cope with the emotions. Like I had to like cut it off, you know, but I kept going back. And as difficult as it was, as long as it took, I, I found better ways I found better ways to deal, to heal, to finally address the things that needed to be addressed. And I know that you can too. I'm sending you so, so much love. And now it's time for another listener response message. Hi, Bunny. Firstly, thank you so much for sharing your gift with us all. And thank you to everybody. You've been significant in my own healing journey and continue to be every week. Thank you so much. 
This is a caller response. And this is for episode 93 for the lovely caller who um, called in regarding uh, body dysmorphia, body shame. Um, and I'm really glad that I feel I have some love to offer today. Um, so, my love, hello. Um, I had anorexia for 20 years. Um, 10 years of that was like between um, 10 and 20 and was very extreme. And then throughout my 20s, it was this kind of uh, silent thing which wasn't spoken about, but I was struggling with um, all the time. Um, I'm very much up and down um, and living with that fear. I really relate to the exercise. This was a massive part of uh, my eating disorder. Um, and I'd like to share with you where I've reached on my healing journey. Um, so I've had some wonderful therapy um, over the past two years. Um, and then on my spiritual journey, which followed, recently I was thinking kind of, but what is that anorexia like? This, I've personified it in the past as I've been advised to kind of separate myself, but then it kind of felt like there was this other person or this like really heavy energy, this really strong energy holding inside of me. And so I kind of explored that a little bit more because I didn't want to continue to be up and down and feeling scared and feeling fear and restricting my life in the ways um, that the anorexia um, might bring me to do. Um, and with that, I kind of, for me, realized that my anorexia was very much fear. Um, it was my parents' fear, which had been poured into me from young. It was my own fear as a scared child. And that fear continued, the fear around food, the fear to exercise or to not exercise. And what I can share is that the spirituality, which you mentioned, um, is part of your being now and your life. Yay, well done. Congratulations. Um, I brought that into my movement. Um, because movement for me is energy work. I love it. I love moving my body. Um, and so by that, I mean, I've chosen forms of one of them is exercise. Um, but I use that to kind of like step into and harness my power to say to that voice, if ever it comes through, like, no, I'm all right. I got myself. Myself is here. Um, so then bringing the spirituality into the exercise becomes a spiritual experience in itself. And it's how I ground into my day. It's how I cleanse any stress. It's how I clear any negative energy that doesn't serve. Um, I also used to practice um, yoga under a very Western uh, practice and lens and teaching. Um, in the last year, I... Um, I completely changed my yoga practice and this has moved from any kind of understanding of it being fitness and exercise to it being about my well-being and my spirituality. And I practice with beautiful South Asian yoga teachers. Um, therefore, this has really helped me develop such a compassionate and fascinating relationship with my body now. Um, and that is love. And I realized what I was void of for many years was love. Um, and to pour that into myself through movement as well is just wonderful. And I, it really has cracked a little bit of a code for me. 
Um, and I'd just like to share also, I've been really blessed with um, loved friends who provided safe containers over this kind of realization the last month for me to let out grief, for me just to sit there and cry when I realized how scared I had been for the majority of my life, to move through some rage and some anger, to clear that. And that's okay, because that is the correct response to what I had experienced. Um, and now I just love my higher self. So reflecting what Bunny said as well, um, fighting power with love, and you will indeed continue to heal. Thank you so much for calling in to allow me to share what I feel is part of my healing journey here as well. Sending you so much love. And if you want, my name's Jess, and you can always say Jess is sending me love too. All right, take care all. Wow, that was so sweet and loving and vulnerable. And thank you so much for sharing your experience and being so generous with that. So inspiring and amazing. And I just love all of your tips. Um, It's so good. And I also really appreciate you pointing out this Western idea of how yoga is taught because I think that that is not often part of the conversation about the appropriation of Eastern traditions and really being aware of where those practices come from and how wellness culture has sort of co-opted this stuff without actually acknowledging the historical context. So thank you for bringing that up. And best of luck on your continued journey to being an amazing healing person, helping other people too. You're the best. All right, everyone. That wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for being here, especially all of the people who sent in your questions and were so generous with your stories and your experiences. So powerful. Honestly, just even hearing your voice or your letters, that in itself is healing because it's helping other people know they're not alone and you're really doing a lot to help this community. Take care of yourself. I love you so much and so does your higher self. I will talk to everybody soon. Bye. EXO Higher Self is recorded in Brooklyn, New York, hosted by me, Bunny Michael, produced by Kara Gilvey, with original music and sound mixing by Michael Bihari. 